For years, we have been taught to get that glucose down. But is that really enough for the management of your diabetic patients? One researcher has proven differently. You're listening to ReachMDXM 157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Shira Johnson, your host, and with me today is Dr. Antonio Seriello, a professor of diabetes and endocrinology at the University of Warwick in the United Kingdom and adjunct professor of medicine at the University of Oklahoma City in the U.S. He is the author of many books and peer review articles, and his most recent research in diabetes was done at the Clinical Science Research Unit in Coventry, England. Professor Seriello is the lead author on a publication for the International Diabetes Federation, which has redefined the guidelines for management of post-meal glucose. Today we're discussing treating the serum glucose level, and is that enough? We're so glad to talk with you today, Dr. Seriello. Hello. First of all, can you tell our listeners a little bit about the Clinical Science Research Institute and the work you do there? I know they do metabolic research. The Clinical Science Research Institute at Warwick University is particularly focused on the effect of uh, acute hyperglycemia in uh, producing the vascular damage. And so it is why we are interested also in post-meal glucose. And you do prevention? Your research is geared toward prevention and treatment, correct? Absolutely. It is a program of prevention of diabetes, particularly where we are based in UK, because when we are, there is many of the, of the people that are coming from Asia, particularly from India and Pakistan, and unfortunately, really, the incidence of diabetes in this population is very high. Now, what led you to study the prolonged effects of high levels of glucose in the body? Now, we have strong proof that high glucose is very dangerous for the body, for almost all kinds of tissues, but particularly for the cardiovascular system, uh, retina, and the kidney. So what happens when the cells in the body are exposed to high glucose levels? The last three, four years, we got a key answer to, to, uh, to understand how high glucose can damage the cells. And it's the paradox that is just an increase of a physiological pathway. In other words, we normally we use glucose to produce energy. And during this process, because we use oxygen, a little amount of free radicals are produced. And we have now to prove that when the glucose is high, it is also high in the cells, not only in the blood. And this can produce a lot of free radicals which activate the pathways uh, leading to the cell damage. Did this project stem from some of the earlier work in diabetes, the uh, complication and control trials of the 1990s? Absolutely. The concept of high glucose was dangerous for the tissues in diabetes. It was started uh, and then came from the, the DCCT, which was the first specific study on this topic. But uh, later, also the UK PDS showed the same concept in older diabetes. So this was true. Now, what are the implications for clinical practice? You study this in the laboratory or in clinical trials, and you know that high glucose does damage to tissues. But how do you couple this to the clinical arena? Oh, in the clinical arena, the message today is well clear and strong that is you have to control blood glucose at any time during the day and try to maintain it as closer to normal as possible. 24-7 if you can. Yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately, when I say unfortunately, it's because in clinical practice it's not so easy. 
but this is the modern mandate for the physician. So when you say tight control, you mean tight, right? That means near normal. There is nothing to do. Now, what's going to happen in patients who can't meet this high level of control? This means that the risk for complication is quite high. And uh, it's clear today that higher is the blood glucose, higher is the risk. There is a a strong direct correlation between the, the two things. Now, what do you mean when you say the body's metabolism becomes locked? Can you explain that to us? The body metabolism means that, unfortunately, when you have an overload of glucose, particularly in the cells, this glucose is used in the mitochondrial level, and all the energy coming up is really bad because you produce energy, but simultaneously produce free radicals, which are very damaging for the cells. So you produce energy, but also you produce very bad compounds like free radicals. Could research develop tools to unlock the body's metabolism? Yeah, we have just released a couple of very key papers who got a lot of interest also from the media, looking at possibility to block overproduction of free radicals with some substances, and some are really very commonly available in the food. So what is the role of oxidation? The role of oxidation today is to be the first and the key event in producing the diabetic complication. This is a, a long story and an easy story because it simply means that the physiological phenomenon, which is the production of energy using glucose in diabetes is overactivated and you pay in terms of increased risk for complications. And the second message is that the usual antioxidants like vitamin C, vitamin E, and uh, so on are not good for this because the new modern approach is to block the production of free radicals, not to scavenge them. For those of you just tuning in, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMDXM 157, the channel for medical professionals. And I'm Dr. Shira Johnson. I'm speaking with Dr. Antonio Sariello from the Clinical Science Research Unit in Coventry, England, and we're discussing why just managing the serum glucose levels in your patients may not be enough. Dr. Sariello, are there other conditions that also create a metabolic memory? We are looking at the effect of a glucose, of course, and we have evidence that is true, but we have some preliminary, very preliminary suggestions that also high lipids can induce the memory in the cells, almost through the same pathways. And what happens then? It happens that the damage to the cells induced by both glucose and free fatty acids, free fatty acids are the form of lipids, can persist even when you normalize glycemia or lipids. And clearly, this means from a clinical point of view that you have to intervene as soon as possible to normalize the value of glucose and lipids and hopefully to find in the near future a good compounds able to block or switch off this memory. You mentioned before the damage. Can you clinically treat free radicals with antioxidants? The modern approach to free radical story is Avoid to use antioxidants because clearly they do not work. While the modern approach is to use compounds, even natural compounds, able to repair the mitochondria production. There are compounds like, for example, lipoic acid. Able, we have shown in animals that they, this compound works. Or a more more new approach, just arisen in the last two three years, is that the cells 
some compounds coming from the food again, able in stimulating the cells to produce their own intracellular defense against free radicals. So as you see, we have a three different situations. One is to use the vitamins, but they start to work very late when the free radicals are already produced and they capture the free radicals already produced. So this is a very, a very late action. So vitamins come in too late? Yeah, they come in too late. Clearly, the best way is to block the production of free radicals, and we have a compound like lipoic acid or uh, carnitine, which are very commonly present in the food, particularly in the food coming from the Mediterranean diet, as usually you know fruit, vegetables, so on. And the most recent approach, most recent finding is to know that there are also some compounds in the food, again, which are able in stimulating the cells in increasing the own antioxidant defense. So if you can modulate the production of free radicals and simultaneously also you can increase the own intracellular defenses, clearly this is the best way to avoid the damage by free, induced by free radicals. So if I can recap, you've got, you've got the damage come from glucoses that are periodically or episodically elevated. Yeah. And three ways to treat them. One is the vitamins that, that don't work or unless people take very high doses, which may be harmful. You mentioned fruit and healthy foods, which should be part of your lifestyle anyhow. And then the third option are specific drug treatments? More than the drug, we are looking at drugs, specific drugs. For the, we are also looking at the compound already present in the food. One, of, for example, is uh, sulforaphan. Sorry for the name, but it's his name. <laughs> it's con- uh, this compound is present in some vegetables, and when ingested, it induces in the cells the pro- the in- an increase of uh, antioxidant defenses. What is glycolation? Did your group coin that term, or is that a common biochemical term? Glycosylation or glycation is the process through which high glucose binds to particularly the proteins, damaging proteins, particularly damaging the function of the proteins. And it's well established that uh, these compounds are very harmful for the particularly for cardiovascular system. Okay, so on the surface, if you have a patient who already has had a history of high or difficult to control glucose, maybe no fault of his own, maybe it's his metabolism, his medications aren't effective, or God forbid he was seeing the wrong doctor, when he hears this, this could sound very discouraging. So what's the positive spin to tell your patients? Oh, we have, first of all, we have the way to, for example, today we have continuous blood glucose monitoring which is a way to really understand what happens during the day for 24 or more hours. And if you know the profile of a glucose, you can, what I mean, you can build a good strategy to avoid the rise in glucose. Because you know when, and clearly if you go know when, probably you are able to understand how to manage the problem. Because today we have a lot of new oral agents, new insulins, maybe even a new concept of diet approach. So I believe that we have a very good tools, very good option for the control of blood glucose today than uh, the last two, three years. So then there is hope with good control, good follow-up, physicians following patients perhaps more closely than they did before when they come into the office every six months and get an FBS in the morning 
24-hour glucose monitoring sounds like it's a tool. If a physician is listening to this program and maybe he's not an endocrinologist like yourself, where can someone go for more information? They can get this information uh, just approaching uh, sometimes some specialists just to but also the you know, many, many information are available on the website, for example, the same IDF website or American Diabetes Association website where you can get really what is new in this field. Great. Thank you, Dr. Seriello. Thank you for taking the time to be my guest today. Today we've been discussing diabetes and is managing the glucose in your patient enough. My guest has been Dr. Antonio Seriello from the Clinical Science Research Unit in Coventry, England. And I'm Dr. Shira Johnson. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMDXM 157, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions on this or any segment, please send your email to xm at reachmd.com. And thank you for listening.